0: My spidey sense is tingling. Yellow.
1: Every breath that you take... Every smile that you fake, he'll be hosting for you He's Slim This is the Paper
0: Keg Podcast, episode 142 Welcome to the greatest comics podcast that you have ever listened to Fact Um, We talk about comic books that we read this week Paperkeg.com, check it out Last week (laughs) Two weeks ago (laughs) Uh we do a book club. We all read the same book. Joss Whedon. Jossis. Astonishing X-Men Torn. Uh, but maybe this is the first time we've ever tuned in, so thank you. Uh, boy, are you in for a treat, because we have a legit, unpublished writer on the show. He's working on a comic book. Could News could just be right around the corner about when this comic book is going to be released. He's a recovering alcoholic. His skin tone can only be des- described as deathly. Uh, Johnsy loves beer Welcome back to the show uh,
1: Thank you for having me I am working on a comic book uh, With my artist Dan Wonderscory It's called Eat Your Own S and Die It'll be available uh, As a photocopy <laughs> yeah. only On the desk of your local deli uh, A lot of excitement Hoping for a lot of uh, Internet buzz You know Neighborhood deli buzz yeah about uh, photocopy comics, and we're just really excited to bring it to you. Uh,
2: The guest host this evening, from
1: me, is my head cold, so welcome.
2: Be sure to check out your local butcher, where Jonesy will be signing (laughs) as he picks up his six-pack of pig's blood to drink, (laughs) as he is a vampire, (laughs) and he will do what he needs to, to not feast on human flesh. (laughs) In this
0: current state, <laughs> Vampiro loves beer uh, Thanks for being here as always um, Our next host He's a father as well He had some kind of throat Issue happen this week But he's back He's got one of the greatest beards I've ever witnessed If I can be honest with you uh, He's a father He's a Twitter celeb Podcast bad boy That's what the internet calls him Welcome back, Dale underscore A. It's just uh, me
2: clapping for them killers, you know what I'm saying? That's what I'm doing. We have uh, moved past uh, grieving and moved on to acceptance as uh, my wife has to accept my beard finally. She has fought and commented for so long, but, but guess what? It's time you just started accepting. It's part of the family now. Here to stay
0: well I for one would love to rub my face in it but we need to get into what we're here for you know we have a big book club this evening mm, part three of our four-part Jossis Joss. H uh, epic of his astonishing x-men run torn the third volume I'm excited I'm really excited guys to get into it can I be honest with you please Please do.
2: I appreciate your honesty.
0: Um, Always. Volume three, we'll get into that. I'm not sure if we wanted to touch on what happened last week. We revealed the uncut audio of Jonesy's disturbing diatribe.
1: I'm going to go ahead um, and say less than 5% of listeners uh, actually stayed around for
0: that audio. I think, didn't you, Dale, didn't you time hop me? And wasn't it the year anniversary of that segment? Or was it the year anniversary of something else that we had done?
2: It was absolutely the year wow, or two year it might have been the two year oh, anniversary of uh, the thirty days a night episode It was like episode forty seven forty eight mm-hmm. and uh yeah, it was you know, unprecedented it was it was amazing that it's just creeped up in our you know users listeners are rediscovering it. It's in our time hop now it, it's here to stay
0: it's making a resurgence I mean time hop basically. reached out to us. And let us know that that tweet was a year, two years old. And we thank them for that. I'm not sure if we can work some kind of sponsorship. Maybe we'll get into that next show. Um, but we're running out of tape. We're running out of tape. We need to get into the comics that we maybe have read the past week or two weeks. <laughs> three weeks. Whatever we've had time for. The archives. Uh, Vampiro. I want to hear from you. Hashtag the word archives. Well,
1: uh, I'm going <laughs> to go ahead. And uh, just pick Starlight, just because I know you guys didn't Come read anything. <laughs> Actually, I want to talk about a book that I, I reviewed the first issue, and I uh, I usually say I'm going to read issue two, then never yep. do it. <laughs> uh, however, I read Loki, Agent of Asgard, issue two. Wow! And I'm, I'm here right to now. say that I may not read issue three. Mm. Oh, uh, no. It seems a little too formulaic. You know, I really like the debut. It remind, You know, I was on my, my James Bond kick from, uh, you know, Book Jug, we were doing Casino Royale. And now that it's settling into their formula of gets dispatched a job from the All-Mother, has to go figure it out, there's now a second Loki in the mix that he's got to fight against, It just, it didn't grab me uh, like the first issue did. And um, this has a dangerous notion of getting into all those lesser Asgardian gods that I could care, you know, nothing about. Lesser. I mean, this one introduced, like, the little sister of the uh, Enchantress, uh, like Amara from the old, uh, you know amalgam of Asgardian, Asgardia gods and goddesses and it's uh I just I was never a classic Thor fan, so that didn't you know, a modern twist on a god I knew nothing about didn't really grab me and it just I think this issue expected me a little bit to be a Thor aficionado. Like I knew a lot of Beatles characters and that was gonna blow my mind and it didn't. So um it kind of lost a lot of steam in this second issue for a guy who's not a Thor fan. I think if I were a Walt Simonson... you say Simonson. you weren't a Thor
0: fan? <clears throat>
1: well, I don't know. I'm not a Walt Simonson classic Thor guy. Like, followed him all the way from the 60s. Everybody knows I love the Jan Jurgens run. Everybody knows that Jason Aaron can do no wrong on the well new documented.
0: title. Well documented on this show.
1: Uh, it's just... But Thor this keg. kind of um, mining of the old classic Thor stuff for a new twist, which could light somebody on fire who was a Walt Simonson, old school Thor fan. Uh, most certainly could excite people, but it's just not for me. Now, if it had been Beta Ray Bill and some kind of you know James Bond scenario where he was a like a Auric <laughs> Goldfinger and he had some kind <laughs> of henchman, and he was
0: beta, could, but he was Beta Ray Bill in a suit. I mean, you I can imagine you imagine Beta Bill in a suit? Any pitch that you do for Marvel will be, all right, we're going to take Gambit, James Bond scenario right now. Oh, you want something else? Deadpool, James Bond scenario, uh, Lady Sif. Let me blow this, yeah. blow your mind right out. James Bond scenario.
2: Off the top of my head, this is what I'm thinking of. This is what I think right now.
1: <laughs> uh, so final, final word, just not for me, uh, kind of off the beaten path title at this point, but if you're into if you're really into thor mythology you're probably going to like it.
2: Hmm. Just off the top of my head just get, just throw in there if you're a walt simonson fan you'll probably be into it. Uh James Bond <laughs> will be the uh the theme, you know, Uatu, the Watcher.
1: <laughs> I'm just saying Galactus has to wear a tuxedo and play golf with the Watcher.
0: Your that would be your last Marvel pitch in history, and we would need to wait. <laughs> the for The only your... time I was flown out for Marvel,
1: and that <laughs> right, was my right. pitch.
0: Uh, By choice, unpublished. You want to talk about off the beaten path, right now? I think. I do. Dale's all-time favorite writer. I want to get into it right now. Mark Miller, mm, one man. of one of his faves. Can't stop talking about him. Dale especially loves the violence against women in the books. He always calls (laughs) that out, specifically. I'm I'm notorious for it. Uh, No, all jokes aside. Starlight from Mark Miller. You heard of this guy? Starlight? You heard of this? I
2: heard the buzz. Starlight's getting.
0: A lot of buzz. buzz. Back of the book, Mark Miller, ever the salesman. Compares, you know, his elevator pitch for this book is Buzz Lightyear meets Unforgiven. There you go. Wow.
2: <laughs> I'm sold. I'm actually sold. That's the most I've heard about this book. I wish I could oh. go back and
1: so rebuy fun. issue one based on just that elever, uh, elevator pitch. Thank you. Okay, I'm checking it out. Sorry, guys.
0: Um, the I actually don't really read any of Mark Miller's like interviews about his books because I kind of just want to read it and I don't want to get the, the hype machine happening. Um, I think I kind of got soured on a lot of his stuff after I read Secret Service with, um, Dave Gibbons. I I just thought that was, there wasn't a whole lot there to grab onto. It did feel like a movie pitch, but this one is, it, it also has a little bit of Incredibles in it too. So Goron, uh, my, my dear friend Goron from Fury Max, probably my pick of 2013 is on art for this series. And it follows this older man, you can even envision um, the father from Incredibles, Mr. Incredible, kind of a little older, and his wife passes away, so he's just kind of going through the motions and his kids don't really want to take him into the house, you know, they're just going to have to deal with him, so they're kind of pushing him off on his own. He's like, yeah, he'll be fine on his own, I got other things to worry about. And you find out during the issue, you kind of flash back to a, a different moment in this guy's life where he's almost in a very Flash Gordian world where he's fighting these aliens in this lush, gorgeous landscape. And you come to find out, spoilers, also drink when someone says come to find out, um, that he was a fighter pilot, and at one stage of his life he disappeared and, according to him, allegedly went into a different dimension. And when he came back from this dimension... You know, he was a hero in this dimension, but when he came back, nobody believed his story, and he was kind of looked down upon. So nobody believed him except for his wife. So now that his wife has passed, um, it's like a different stage of his life, and something happens at the end that might thrust him back into a different place, and I thought it was really great. I kind of, I don't know, a lot of people harp on Miller's writing, and they don't like it, but I actually was lost in the story. I really loved it.
1: He's great at those one-off concepts with a twist. Uh, I mean, this is essentially like Tom Strong, but what if nobody believed Tom Strong was who he said he was? Uh, particularly, I like the the angle where he is almost like a B celeb. You know what I mean? Like people, are oh, like, yeah, oh the he's, first. yeah, yeah, he's that one guy who said he, you know, saw aliens after he disappeared, and there's old newspaper clippings of him like trying to tell a story. And it's treated almost like childlike, like he
0: was an actor who didn't quite make it. And, uh. Yeah, there's even that scene where he looks at his wall of newspaper clippings, which was right. almost exactly like The Incredibles. And at first, it's like, man tells grand tale of other dimension. And then as he goes further down the wall, the newspaper clippings get worse, and they just. They kind of treat him as a joke because he has no proof, and people just think he's a kook. Um, and it kind of you're kind of questioning your own self as a reader by the end of this issue. Like,
1: is he a crazy guy who's having some weird flashbacks and only at the end do you realize maybe there's something more to it.
0: And and I think the, there's like a Miller touch where he brings things to like a dark, realistic level where the kids, you know, love their dad, but they have zero desire to have him move in with them. Like, they've got other stuff going on, and they, they even say, like, I really don't want him to come live with us. I have, like, this yada yada. Me and the wife are going through some problems, and that's just going to make it worse. And it, I always come back to probably one of the, the dark... Like, I consider it one of the darkest moment in his comics was when Iron Man saves the day in one of those Ultimates volumes, and he throws up. Do you remember that scene where, like, he saves the day, he takes the hell off, and he throws yeah, yeah, up, yeah, yeah. and he gives this kid the thumbs up, and they walk away... And the soldiers that are on S.H.I.E.L.D., the kid that Iron Man gave the thumbs up to, they just, like, push this kid out of the way as they walk away. And it was, like, one of the darkest, I don't know, maybe realistic scenes in comics, but it was, like, that didn't happen in 1960 Spider-Man. No. Spider-Man didn't give a high five to this kid, and then the cops walk past this kid and shove him out of the way because they didn't give a crap about him. <laughs> but that happened in The Ultimates, and I always remember that scene for, well, I will remember for the rest of my days.
2: I uh, I have it downloaded. I can't wait to check it out.
0: Uh, speaking of you, Dale. Speaking of Dale, underscore beard. Ooh. What did you read this Let's week? Talk about it. I read
2: one of our favorites. We always talk about from the big two. His, his tales. Okay. <laughs> I'll see you guys later. I'm gonna go.
0: Inside joke, Dale's big two. Dark Horse and Marvel Comics. There you go. Greg Rucka. Exclusive.
2: In Veil, vale, number one.
0: Oh, from Dark Horse.
2: Art by Tony Fezzula. Veil vale is a story about a young woman who wakes up in the rails of an old subway tunnel. That's The tunnel's a bit long abandoned. You can tell as she walks up Onto the street. There's like the, the, the subway tunnels like boarded up. And stuff like that. And the best way to put it is. is uh, she wakes up naked for one. And she almost has this. Lilu Dallas vibe to her. Where, where. She only speaks in rhymes. But it's almost like she's speaking in rhymes. To remember how to identify things. Kind of. Uh, it sounds goofy when I say the whole book. She's just speaking in rhymes. But it works. And she comes up on the street. Naked is their, her name day. And uh, she is basically like walks up into the equivalent of like 1970s Times Square where it's nothing but like sex shops and porn yes. theaters and neon everywhere. Oh. And she kind of gets surrounded by these bad dudes. You know, they're bad. I mean, just the way they carry themselves.
0: Do they have beards and uh, shawls? electric blankets just
2: walking around with the
0: Shaw, the uh, East Street Shaw Gang I think they were called
2: <laughs> and uh, they corner her and they're basically going to do not good stuff to her and she's very playing it very innocent she's just rhyming she's talking to them rhyming about rats and bats and things like this and one of the guys has a heart and kind of stands up for her and says you could tell she's confused guys like don't don't do this he brings her back to the apartment and outfits are in some clothes and she's just kind of like farting around his apartment looking at the fridge and things and his friends show up and he's like in the other room finding her some shoes or something and his friends show up and they're going to take what's theirs basically. Oh. These bad dudes. Good Lord. And uh, just by the power of suggestion she basically wills the main leader to shoot the other guys and then kill himself. My gosh. So she's got some sort of m- mental capabilities to know these guys deserve to die. She doesn't let on to that fact. And that's how the series—that's uh, how the issue ends. And the art, in the, in the back of the book, Ruck is really good in the back of his, all of his comics. And he's saying this character has kind of been swimming around in his head for about 20 years. And he was terrified to kind of execute on the little bit of backstory he had built up for her because he just doesn't know if it's still going to execute in the end. But one of the editors at Dark Horse, um, Scott Alley, really convinced him to uh, give it a chance. And uh, the artist, and he says it exists only because of the artist. It's really cool how he's saying, well, this, this girl, Vale... Is She's going to be the focal point of the book But he doesn't want to uh, Put a a negative spotlight on her Like she's just a a naked woman Coming out of a subway But she is a naked woman Coming out of a subway And she has to possess some sort of uh, Sexual attraction For these guys to want to do bad things to her And um, he says And before he said it But he says the, the art is what sells it. The art, without this particular artist, he would have never been able to sell that fact. And after he said it, it made complete sense. The art is spectacular on the book, and it, and it really fits the tone for what it what he's trying to convey, where she's obviously wakes up naked and is desirable in that way, but she's also going to be this person of some kind of power. Good or bad, I don't. I don't suspect. I don't. I. I suspect she's going to be some sort of a good person. But you should hope. We'll see. I hope with that power. But uh, very good. Highly recommended. Fail wow. number one. Dark Horse Comics. Rucka can do wrong, no wrong. Let's be honest. That's why you got to give give Rucka a chance.
0: All we are that, saying.
2: That famous quote
0: from that decades old quote: "Give Rucka Is a chance." Give
1: Rucka G- a chance.
0: John Lennon, Yoko uh, Rucka Ono band. Two Sentences or Less, a lightning round, one of our most popular segments in show history. Uh, Another book that you have read, hopefully recently, (laughs) Two Sentences or Less. The Punisher, issue number three.
1: It's The Punisher versus Electro in a battle royale in the biggest fight you never knew you were dying to see.
0: She-Hulk number two. Is this my fave Marvel book?
1: Lightning
2: what?
0: Yes. (coughs)
2: Lightning stunned. Lightning stunnery. Moon Knight number one. Oh, yeah. Though I'm not entirely sure... How Ellis is picking up the pieces from a a multiple personality Moon Knight. The art on this book, along with the majority of the writing, has set the stage for
0: something really special. Moon Knight. Astonishing X-Men Volume 3. Joss Whedon, John Cassidy continue their run, legendary run in the third trade and we continue on. We power through as friends forever. United, hand so in hand. Mean, absolutely. Absolutely. Two sets of footprints. <laughs> and Jonesy. When there, when there was only one set <laughs> in the in the moonlight. Uh, Jonesy, please, can you can you tell people what this trade is and why it is? Okay, so Torn is three out of four.
1: Uh, you know, the four big volumes that Jossus uh laid down to us in the New Testament as the story of the X Men. And Torn is most certainly the ratcheting down and setting up his grand finale, uh, of the four. So some uh, some pots have been boiling since Volume 1 about who necessarily was behind Emma Frost's betrayal and what exactly were they getting at and how does this tie into Ord? <clears throat> or does it tie into Ord? I guess is the question. So this volume, Torn, is literally about the Hellfire Club revealing themselves and tearing the X-Men apart. Basically destroying all the relationships that have been building since the first volume. And Emma herself is used as a weapon to kind of plant um, these horrific suggestions that disable each member of the team. Now, I didn't realize this before, but I guess that was Emma Frost's unique power. Besides just being a telepath, she could make your nightmares come to life. So, Cassandra Nova, the evil twin... Of Professor Charles Xavier uh, influences her to shut off each member of the team. So Cyclops is basically told that he is an S head and he eats his own S, and his eyes don't, you know, his, uh, you know, ocular powers no longer work, and he's kind G-bag. of uh, off kilter. Uh, Logan is reduced to the James Howlett incarnation where he's just kind of like a little fancy kid from Canada who loves to play with dolls. So he's uh, he's no longer a threat. Uh, Beast is totally, his human uh, brain is turned off. But the most interesting uh, dynamic is what uh, Emma is able to do between Piotr and um, Shadowcat is that he plants a suggestion, or sorry, she plants a suggestion where uh, Shadowcat has a dream that um, that they, her and Peter have this whole life where they have a baby, and uh, Peter abandons it. And so they control her to go try to save the child. And in actuality, she's unleashing the gelatinous blob that Cassandra Nova has been reduced to. So, But interspersed through all these happenings is... Reconnecting with uh, Abigail Brand, uh, you know, kind of getting the situation where is, you know, Ord now. And the back half is really Abigail stepping in to save the X Men from themselves, just to hijack them and get them back in the game to go to Break World and kind of save existence as they know it. So this volume is different. And the other three, in fact, the X-Men don't win. Now, there's, they haven't beaten the health... They're basically saved by the skin of their teeth by this other entity so they can go help solve a different problem. And that strikes me as a very Joss Whedon way to give a otherwise meaningless volume some gravity as he introduces, it, introduces us to the final act. So there you have it. That's X,
0: Astonishing X-Men Torn. Man, alive. He spelled that out first. <coughs> that was a thesis. <laughs> I read it, and I think that even made me more confused just by hearing <laughs> it all. But, uh, man, I really didn't like that ending. That ending just... I read this when it came out, but I don't remember being like so annoyed that there wasn't a payoff from the, that happened to Cassandra Nova, and I totally forget what happens in the fourth volume, and I, I assume that there is a payoff, but, man really annoyed at that ending
1: (laughs) well the fact that they they the x-men come off as impotent they can't solve their own problems they need some throwaway character like abigail brand to
2: blast off in her spaceship and save them all which isn't i mean the ending was i'm fine with the x-men not resolving anything in the six issues um it was a hot it was a very entertaining six issues uh, you know, and comics endings have ended like that before. Just that Never. the the huge the the hook is like so huge that it might as well just been considered one twelve issue arc. I must, like that's
0: how crazy. Yeah, the ending yeah, maybe, is. yeah, maybe, maybe it's wrong on us to like consider this an arc when it's just really just a big arc. This yeah. is the half of it. Yeah, but but I th- I mean
2: this this ranks right up there with one and possibly past what? one as far as what? the entertainment value within this this arc is very Joss whedon, the humor oh, certainly that he gets to play with on in each of the characters, especially Lo, i mean not especially logan every- especially everybody gets their their own time to shine in this, and Kitty Pride steps up big time in this arc. Uh, this is just
1: cementing... When she pulls it together. Cementing... Like, I am a Shadow Cat fan because of this run. Because he does so many... I think I, I'm probably repeating something I said last week, but what he does with her character makes her so compelling. And I will say, to, to put this volume in kind of a different light, uh, like, imagine if this was serialized television, and these four volumes were four phases of a season one of a TV show... This would be like the sweeps volume before the finale, like yeah. oh, see Wolverine as a little kid, and we're gonna take all your beloved characters and shift them to the left a little bit. you know we get try to get people to come back to the show to see something different. It's like when you know it, you know your favorite character falls in love with with a character that you don't wouldn't expect for only an episode, and people come in and're like, "Oh, what's this all about so it's definitely the sweeps of the four volumes, but Joss Whedon gets to tell his story that he wants to tell, which is the Kitty Pride and Peter fake memory relationship
0: that kind of is the linchpin to this whole volume. Yeah, that was amazing. <coughs> the The whole scenario where the, Cassandra Nova needs them to open up this impenetrable box that only Kitty Pride can get into. So she plants this false memory of, Peter and her having a kid, for, uh, over the course of three years, they have, they have, they give birth to this kid, they love the kid, and then as it grows up, Professor X and the X-Men come to her and say, this, you know, there's, t- this kid has too much power, there's something wrong with this child, we need to take the kid from you, and then, so she's like, you guys are crazy, all right, Peter, let's, you know, we can take them all down, we can, we have to, and then it turns out that Peter's with them- mm. And he agrees, and he's like, "We have to get rid of our child."
2: Mm-hmm. Oh
0: man! So they take the child from her, and this is happening. In one of the issues it just starts this way. So they take the child from her, and they lock Kitty away. And so eventually, she gets out, and she sneaks up behind Peter with like this axe. She phases the axe like through his head, and says, "Tell me where my child is, or I'll solidify the axe handle in your skull." Mm. And Her lines were so cutting to Peter. Like, you would absolutely, you believe this scenario to be true. The way that she just dissects Peter into nothing. Like, this is like a breakup quote. Like, these are words that you say to your ex when it's over. Like, the things that she said to him were amazing. And then eventually when she gets there and opens it up and... Takes out this blob of Cassandra Nova, where her consciousness is, and she's like, "Peter, I I saved our child," and she doesn't realize what she's holding is not the child, but it's a blob. And Peter walks in and sees her holding this like slime, and he essentially just faints because it's like the most <laughs> repulsive scenario ever. I thought that was um like solid gold, solid gold comics right there. I that, yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't, I I read this
2: arc a couple years ago but I completely forgot that what was happening with Kitty was just implanted in her brain and I was just I was peed off at Xavier I was peed off at the X-Men I was peed off at Colossus for taking the kid I mean I was right there with Kitty Pride and up until the end the execution crazy twist at the end, at the end of that <laughs> scenario
1: Uh one thing I loved um
2: one big note
1: i had was the backdoor fail that emma programs into the x-men so they can snap out of it uh of course hilariously logan's is a can of beer falls out of the <laughs> fridge onto his face mm. and there's just that four panel press into his face where he sees beer and snaps out of it like that's how he knows he's back uh yeah that was like guided view before there was guided view
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Clay
1: Page. Uh, what's Hank's is like a ball of string, like a kitten's ball of string, snaps him oh, back man. to the fact that he's Hank McCoy. Also, the, I think the standout star of this volume, and I didn't realize till I read, uh, did some research, is Armor. I didn't know she mm. was created by mm-hmm.
0: Whedon for this run. And yeah, she eventually, she was, I think she stayed in the series when Warren Ellis did the next volume. I think she was a character through that, and she stuck around, but yeah, she was awesome yeah, in the series. And her,
2: she's super standout, fantastic.
1: Super well-written, mm. and uh, her power, uh, I thought was just some kind of energy projection. She explains it in this volume. It's, she can summon the spirits of her ancestors, and that becomes like a impenetrable impenetrable armor. Like that's, That strikes me as such a weed in power. Like some weird explanation for some awesome Kike, uh, you know, energy armor. It's got to have something unique about it. And I do love the fact that in this volume, and we see much more of it in, in uh, the fourth volume, but she kind of becomes a student of uh, Logan. And I got to kind of get that lone wolf and cub samurai, young samurai vibe from the relationship. And that was very cool.
0: How about the uh, the homage to the Hellfire Club Claremont burn run where Kitty Pride goes through like the earth's core and when she eventually lands on her feet she looks up and it's the same panel that Burn did when when Wolverine the cliffhanger ending where he's like okay now it's my turn I thought that was oh, yeah, and he's probably like one of the highest this, points of this the series right or there something like that.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah that that was great that was
0: pretty sweet the um the stuff with Cyclops is really cool and I, I think more is explained in the next volume but I don't know if maybe I misinterpreted it or, or she did shut off her powers that they explained it in volume 4 but from what I remember I read this story as Cyclops as a youth had the ability to control his optic blast but he eventually lapsed and decided not to control them, or he, like, used his his glasses as a crutch. Do you remember I that? I, I
1: always thought the story was traditional, uh, Traditional where he got into the accident, and the part of his brain that can, was able to control it uh, was damaged. Hmm. And then that's, he could never control it after that. I mean, it was some kind remember. of, con, like, Mark, uh, R.I.P. Mark, will probably know each individual story beat of how it happened, but... It was something like uh his dad is one of the star jammers and um yeah. Corsair. Yeah, and so him at Corsair, him and Havoc were doing something when the boys had to jump out of an aircraft and when they landed, you know, Scott banged his head against the ground and it did like minor damage to that part of his brain. Mm. Interesting.
0: The um I do I remember reading on reread I definitely was taken out of the story because this was, maybe I'm just reading too much Cassidy in a row, but I started to see his reuse of panels where he would draw a character in a manner and then reuse that panel on the bottom page, but like reverse it or only change their eyes or maybe zoom out of that drawing or zoom in like kind of like time saving tricks. And I, Hmm. I personally noticed a drop in, Cassidy quality on this volume I don't know how to explain it but his art just changes a little bit where it's not like the knock your socks off every page is like a masterpiece he did have some like masterworks in the series but they in my view and maybe I'm totally wrong but it felt like some pages didn't have the same amount of time put in them that others did I don't know if you guys felt the same it way. wasn't
1: noticeable for me I, I thought every page was a treat
0: yeah, I
2: was I'm, I was actually going to say, I'm not blowing S up your A, Slim, but uh, I I noticed either, maybe the last two or three issues, it really, art really changed. Like at times, some of the, uh, what was once like very smooth yeah. lines in the art changed Became up dramatically. Thick. Yeah, thick and like, kind of like dotted. And mm-hmm. I could
0: compare the cliffhanger pages of volume one were not, comparable to the cliffhanger pages of volume four i didn't or volume three i didn't think like the jean gray where she where she dresses herself as jean gray i didn't think that was like blowing my mind artwork even some of the faces of jean gray in that story were like or or even emma frost like you are ugly like this is an ugly person (laughs) drawing. like i don't know who this is this isn't like what uh drawing gorgeous evil emma frost yeah but that was just my interpretation i'm I'm curious how I view volume because, you know I, I think I remember that that volume being very late and it was hardly a monthly comic
2: the uh but there's just the few issues where the ex the the team is just broken down broken down to nothing and they're ch- I mean that's just Joss's time to shine as far as humor, but showing just the the, the utter despair that the team is in. <clears throat> at the time and the, the interaction between them and then when they snap out of it and they wake up and they're just ready to kick some A and Scott like on the edge with the gun even though he when he shoots the Hellfire Club you know mm-hmm. they're you find out they're non-existent but he's just like he's like I'm on the edge right now I'm losing my mind and I, <laughs> it was just really cool how and and then and, and he gets in Joss gets into it about Scott. You know the only reason Scott was picked as a leader was, uh, you know, w- which is funny because probably through the eyes of a lot of readers, everybody's wondering why at times why Cyclops is the leader of the X Men, and then he kind of gets into that big time and like starts affecting Scott's psyche, and and it's just part of White Queen's uh, uh, bug. Oh yeah, and that they touch on. Um, why the heck is Cyclops part of the team? And then and Emma starts playing with his mind like that. And then even though that's bad, Cassandra Nova talking about that stuff. It was like I was getting chills. <laughs> like feeling awkward, feeling for, Yeah, you're like feeling awkward for Scott. And he's like, "Do I really have to hear this right now? I mean, you uh, you're turning into Dead Jean Gray, and and she starts like spouting off at the mouth about that. And then you're like wondering, like, do you really love him? I mean you're being a real B to him right now, but
0: obviously it's all part of the game plan, but it was heavy hitting stuff. It's always funny too. And I think Bendis gets hit up a lot by people on his asks. Like, when are you bringing back Emma Queen, Emma, the white queen and Scott together? And his one response was like 10 pages of why he thinks they should never get together again because they were an awful couple and it just <laughs> really? like brought out the worst in Cyclops. Yeah. He had, I don't know if it's easy to find now cause huh. it's on his Tumblr, but he, it's, he's like never putting them back together. He, I don't think he was a fan at all of them together. and well, that's wild.
2: I wonder if that's why he took them apart to begin with or if that probably, if he just yeah. felt the story.
0: It's probably both. He had probably zero that's desire crazy. to bring it back together. I just like to see
2: comic characters together, you know. You like to see them in love, especially the White Queen. Come on, <laughs> I'm a Frost. <laughs> I'll be in love with her any day. Oh
0: you know? my heavens! I'm sending this to your wife. Exporting that scene, <laughs> she would be like, "Who?" Um, <laughs> yeah, but but this,
2: I was, I was super entertained. This was, like I said, other than the, in volume one, the the Kitty Pride. Colossus scene, this was up there at least tied for me in entertainment value. I was thoroughly entertained in this value. It was uh, definitely picked up um, from Volume 2. And Volume 2 was great, but this was I believe is better. And the Danger Ord stuff, like infiltrating the... uh, the mansion at the same time. How funny was, was that
0: scene where Beast comes back and magnetizes them <laughs> to the ceiling and like the whole page they're just like chilling up there while they're talking about the whole plan. It was oh, yeah. amazing.
2: The shot where they're leaning over and bending uh, mending armors back and and the shot is like from down from armor below and they're looking up past yeah. Beast and Wolverine to them on the ceiling. And they're just they're just sitting there as an audience they can't do anything. It was, it was great.
0: What was hilarious too was when Beast was telling you know, explaining his ball of yarn, and it was like this two paragraph thing. And Wolverine's like, All right, got it. Class dismissed. Yeesh. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, Sorry, he asked. There you have it. Torn. Any closing thoughts, Jonesy?
1: Right, just a we move on? A great volume, uh, and it's ready to slingshot uh, directly into the climax. And I think we're, I think us taking on this four volume series all in a row was a fantastic idea by Dale underscore A.
0: I think that's also uh, what your wife says, Jonesy. I would like you to slingshot into the climax. (laughs) That's actually a move I've coined.
2: You say it before you
0: do
1: it. I'm slingshotting. We got your letters. I'm gonna open them up. Farrington's
0: gonna read them to you. Letters, oops, I always do that, letters at paperkeg.com, you might get either Jonesy Loves Your Blood or The Bearded Wonder to read your letter on the era. Jonesy,
2: do you have it up by chance?
1: We have have one letter this week uh, from a new listener.
2: Are your cataracts okay to read (laughs) the letter?
1: I'm actually going to let my cataracts do the reading for me. Uh, By the way, listeners, I don't have cataracts, so I don't need any tweets about cataract surgery or those glasses I used to wear. God, you know, they just take everything you say as Bible. Hello, new listener here. I love the last few episodes, especially the continued homage to the First Testament of Jossus H. Whedon. Mm. So here's my suggestion. I think we should do a crossover episode with the guys from Grantland's Men in Blazers podcast, they record in the crap part of Soho, so I feel like this is a geographically feasible. I have no idea how it would work logistically in terms of content. Maybe you'd assign them a couple comics to read, and they'd assign you a soccer match to watch, a game of FIFA to play. Uh, regardless, I think it would alienate at least half of both of your fan bases. But the fantastic auditory confection that result, would result will be well worth it. Regards, Lara. P.S. If you could please try to incorporate the phrase, eat S and die, come on, into each episode a <laughs> few more times, that would be great. Uh, eat S and die, catching on everywhere the, in, across the nation.
2: Boy of that Lara must be a real J bag. Huh? <laughs> <laughs>
0: I mean, for suggesting that we don't listen to that podcast, Numb Nuts. <laughs> 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 There's these t-shirts, would sell. Thank all you the so charts. kindly
1: for writing in. Please do not pay attention to these other two
0: hacks who just want to eat their own S's and die. Apparently, oh, I would love if we would all sit at the same TV and play FIFA against somebody. Imagine just oh, the the, the dynamic we would have. We would destroy people. We would be white pele's, <laughs> white Absolutely. FIFA video game Absolutely. pele's.
2: I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna go out on the limb here and tell you. Based on this letter, I listened to an episode of Men with Blazers. Wow. To scout it out, it is it is pure. It is a soccer podcast. I mean, it is hardcore.
0: Do they have all do. They all have accents. Are they all uh, Europeans?
2: There are two English guys. They apparently go. live in New York. They do some um, uh, Team USA coverage, which, you know, depending on what cup, I don't know, the USA national team, I don't know, but the point is, when one of them is not uh, Skyping into the show because he's in another country covering soccer, they are in the same room together, and they have a pretty good, they're very good chemistry together, they're very wow. funny. Um, so they're like I the British us of soccer. <laughs> Oh, yeah, and they get, I mean, they get, whereas I, I, I mean, Well, I'm not, sure Lara, I'm not sure if
0: Laura, I'm not sure if Laura knows, but you were our uh, Soki correspondent 2014. <laughs> That's right. You were on the sidelines. You were tweeting your reports. So if Laura needs to get some input on your coverage and, you know, your journalistic integrity yeah. that you displayed, yeah, and my Photoshop skills were off the charts as well during that time. Yeah, they were unchartable.
2: I'd like to think that the uh, the Olympics brought all of us as a as a, a nation together. As with the your photoshops, yeah. my news coverage, my spoiling the medal count for people who, uh, who apparently wanted to watch it and get the medal count for themselves. <laughs> like the medal no count. There's no such thing
0: as Olympic spoilers. Those people need to be drug out <laughs> in the street and kicked until they can't breathe anymore. You don't
2: say. It. That's not nice. I mean, that's this is very. I was time. being
0: that was facetiousness. That's all that was.
2: But uh, yeah it was um, if you listen to soccer or if you watch soccer, it's uh, I would say go for it. I mean they get hard core into it. They're talking about the Premier Leagues. I've said enough too much oh. already. I'm blowing hearts and minds with Premier Leagues.
0: Premier League if you watch like a hockey game on the NBC sports app right before the Premier League launched, every ad was Premier League. Mm-hmm. Like out of those streaming apps they only get like one ad buy so they just played the same ad every 30 <laughs> seconds. Makes you want to kill yourself after Bar- watching is half that, a game. Is that Barclays Premier League? Is that what? They oh are? yeah, Premier League, <laughs> NBC Sports. Oh, that's what they say. Did, it, did it, Jonesy? Did you see the Photoshop I did of uh, Dale on the Commando Arnold Schwarzenegger no. poster? Oh boy, what? howdy! Can you, uh,
1: can you at reply me with it right now? I might
0: at reply that to you. Uh, you. I'm not sure if you also saw our dear friend and host during your diatribe episode. Just Dave photoshopped Dale onto uh, the Predator poster. Mm-hmm. Man, yeah. I
1: didn't see any of that. How did I miss all that? Do you
0: just zip through your Twitter feed did if Jones you miss like happening? a few hours? Do you just ignore everything or you, do you go back I'm not read? one of those people that hits the show me my missed tweets drop down in TweetBot. Oh, wow. Mm. So you Damn. skip through. You could just, you don't even give a crap. Oh, here we go. All happens. right.
1: I just wrote my own. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> just I, I bringing just... <laughs> it up and
0: Josie, Josie instantly gets the knives out. The social knives <laughs> <Yeah>. is ready. <laughs> It's a Twitter feed, <laughs> Dub nuts. <laughs> Eat your own Twitter ass and die, Jonesy. Please. What a show! Thanks for having me. Great show. It, it was is a, a pleasure talk having show.
2: you. It is a talk show. <laughs> Matt.
0: Oh God. It's so nice Thanks to Laura. For uh, we are all, and all,
1: all really friends in real life, guys. You might not get that hmm. from the spy play, but or at least Dale and <laughs> well, Matt are.
0: Yeah, we are. Dale and I are friends. Um... Just got some breaking news before the show that Gen Z wasn't going to come to my birthday party, mm. so uh, we're looking for guest hosts next week during the final Joss Whedon episode. One more. Ooh. And Dale did the old, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't know he didn't know.
1: <laughs> it's
0: really, heart- It's a heartbreaking night that I don't even want oh, to talk I'm sorry, about. hang on. Did it's you make gonna, it to my 30th birthday party? I can't remember. We're not gonna. Uh, or not you, or to talk or about did you
1: it? go on some kind of trip where you were like, "F your thirtieth birthday, everyone, get
0: ready, get your, get your, <laughs> get your <laughs> my adamantium ready. Put them on troll claws are coming out." Uh, we'll see everybody next week for the grand finale of Astonishing X Men. Uh, thanks for being here. We'll see you next week. Bye.
1: I need you to sell me on She-Hulk and why I should be reading this title. Dale Blue, Mm -hmm. episode one. You can't stop talking about episode two. I mean, what about it? What is it? You just dropped that. Porn? (laughs) Oh, my
2: God. (laughs) Knives out.
0: Knives out right now. Radiohead, check it out. Paper keg forums, late night. (coughs) (coughs) See you Well, before you die, just I'm gonna try blue. to do a bit. <laughs> you have cataracts, I so know. You're not gonna be able to read <laughs> She-Hulk by issue three. Well, maybe three. somebody, so somebody can just describe you. it to me, and then you know,
1: tell me what the pictures yeah. look like. Uh,
0: let's see if I can do it justice. So, the seal man, blow it. a seal, it's blow it, blown. Good. It's blown. It's already blown. Blown my seal wad. <laughs> Picture a now. Don't, don't just wait until I finish here. Into it. Hawkeye, female lawyer. There it is. That's all I have. It's all, you, it's
1: all you. need. So it's in the vein of Hawkeye, but Kate Bishop, not
0: Clint Barton, as a lawyer. Sort of. It's uh you you know you you care for the Clint Barton character in Hawkeye. Oh yeah, he's very it's a lovable. fun book. It's down to earth, you care about him. Picture a female version, not Lady Hawkeye or Hawk Girl. I think she's uh, just called she, Hawkeye. Jennifer Hulk, as Dale called her <laughs> during uh, issue one. Is she? Ba- is she a Banner? Is she Jennifer Banner? No, no? she's. I don't. It doesn't matter. She doesn't need to know. She is, by the way. It's just, just no. She's, she's mm, not. She's, she's don't, she's don't. Don't worry not. about it. Just, it doesn't died, matter in this story. Banner family. All you know is, she's Banner luck. No firm wants to give her clients. She needs to make the cash. She's a good person, and she likes to drink. Okay. Down to earth, seal man. Letter forty four. I mean, yeah, you love. How I'm shocked that you decided not to try it. I just can't Letter get 44? over the She Hulk hump. I don't know what it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, we all know you. You don't. You don't read comics with ladies. Oh, okay, them. all right. That's just something that you've done your whole life. You can't get past not it. Not true. Anybody who's listening. You always tell me off the true. air that you you don't think they should make the same amount of money as <laughs> oh us. And it God. repulses me. It absolutely repulses me. And I, I'm finally glad to get that you off. You know it's what? Like I've, I've needed warriors. somebody
1: to take me to text for that for a long time. I'm
0: just glad it's my oldest friend, Matt. These, yeah, these are the t- these are the scenarios where Jones is just sitting back in his lazy boy with that cigar <laughs> going on about the women's lib movement.
1: Just rocking you know that chair. You know what, In my cardigan.
2: Dana? Eat your own S and die.
1: <laughs> you know, they're only good for fetching me another 25 year old McAllen.
0: That's the um, only thing. Oh, gosh. I apologize. Okay, here we go. Here we go. Let's just to, ham it up. Let's just ham on it up. All female listeners, I mean, Lara, who is presumably a new listener. She's probably done. Seriously, she's just, finished. I mean, with she's this trying
2: now. to. She's listening to us, a comics podcast. She's listening to a soccer podcast. I mean, she is a well-rounded uh, female who's a, uh, you know, she's she's done it all, seen it all, and now here you go. Here I go playing into Matt's troll, like
1: an idiot.
0: Also, during the show, I didn't realize that your Google Hangout tag was special guest host. I started cracking up. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Uh Jonesy's like typical. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what else did anybody read this week? Anything?
1: Uh I read what else did I read? Punisher was great. Did you, either of you read that?
0: No. Nah, I've only I, read it up to issue two.
2: I, I actually I got to page two with that issue of Punisher. And page two is when I got called up to the court to get selected for uh, jury duty. So, oh, is that is yeah, that what for happen, real going what happened on? To that?
0: Is that over, or is that like in the future? Uh, he got oh, picked. Starts tomorrow. It starts tomorrow. <laughs> it
2: starts tomorrow. <laughs> I uh, I I was pulled up from the jury pool to the voir dire process. Um, is that a ba- is Jennifer that Banner. For Jennifer Banner is very familiar with this uh, process, and uh, it's when they select the jury for the case. And I. They had I had Johnny, U.S. Citizen, written all over my face, and they just they called me What was me that up? beard?
0: It just boyish good looks. They,
1: they
2: probably and, uh, tagged you because
1: they could write you down as Beardo instead of having to remember your name.
0: Mm, yeah. Aren't you supposed to say that you're like a racist and you you do a murder or something? I, I really don't think they recommend that. Duty? I think that's just in the movies.
2: That's what everybody says they do, but
0: I mean come on, you're, you're you, up. you don't do that. Yeah, you yeah. Co- you're a coddler. You could He's never proud do that. To be jury duty an I mean, American.
2: It's, your, it's almost a right. A right of passage. Yeah. Here, as a US citizen, you have that right to exercise <laughs> as a, and and be a jury judge amongst your peers. Come on. You want to know how to not get picked for jury duty? I'll
1: tell you right now, ready? Um, be Jonesy, say Jonesy
2: words. Yeah.
1: <laughs> what? Say Jonesy words? <laughs> Is that what goes on behind my back? Jonesy words.
0: (laughs) Never mind. I'm (laughs) done with it. will now. Hey, Judge. Hey, Judge. Hey, Judge, babe. uh, I got a part-time blah, 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 blah. That's Jonesy's voice.
2: That guy over there can eat his own S and die.
1: (laughs) (laughs) He did it. He did it, it, I'm sure. That guy did it. That guy did it.
0: That's That's the lawyer. (laughs) He did it. He did it. Never got duty myself mm. breaking news
2: you're up there in North Jersey now I wouldn't want to get jury duty up there who knows every I case want to do is anything probably, in North Jersey every case is probably you. a murder case up there <laughs> at least that's the, that's the best you're getting what would be the worst <laughs> exactly <laughs> yeah. We wouldn't ask Jennifer Banner because that dame wouldn't know anything. Am I right, guys? No, she wouldn't know anything but washing
0: those dishes and doing the laundry. Right, Jonesy? Yeah.
1: Not true. Does not reflect my actual views on women. Thanks. No one brings up how I defended that GD Wonder Woman series to the teeth. (laughs) Issue 10. Just decided to take a walk on the awful side that I hated women. Because the issues got crappy, God.
0: That issue ten was horrendous. Oh, I yep. stopped reading after that, and it could be one of the best series ever. But I wouldn't know. Oof, I wouldn't know. After issue ten, <sighs> taking a walk
1: on a poop trail.
0: Oof. <laughs> Inappropriate. How about the uh, Captain America trailer that came out? Dale, did you? Are you still clean? Are you still unwashed? N- yeah, unwashed,
2: I well, since the uh, Super Bowl, since that's the only live TV I have watched was the Super Bowl. Since then, I haven't watched any live TV, so.
0: What about the Olympics?
2: Oh, well, they only had, like, the Barclay Premier League commercials streaming. Premier League. <laughs> streaming is uh, was a uh, two Olympic commercials, both sponsored by BP and a Tide commercial. <laughs> so...
1: I cannot wait for that movie. To be honest, when is it?
2: When is it? April? It's like in three year? weeks. Yeah, it's right around the corner. Wacky like March, that.
1: maybe now,
2: maybe mid-April. got Jonesy. Probably can't make it. He's probably got something. Okay. Oh yeah,
0: my God. Something. Okay. All right. He's got something. He's he's gonna go carpet bomb some lib lib women's lib <laughs> meeting. He's gonna put potatoes in their tailpipes. That's not even a metaphor. He's actually gonna do that. Yeah, that's what he does. Yeah, I can't wait to
2: see it. It's gonna be yeah. Very good.
0: I don't think I read anything else. Those were the two books. So if you actually did talk about Starlight, I would have been Up Pooh's Creek. What
1: else do we have here?
0: Moon Knight. Did you read Moon Knight? Oh, you know what? I did read that. It was very good. Loved it. Very
2: Loved it.
1: Good. Oh, did you read Headspace? That was another great I did one. Not. That was a... Uh... Really? Yeah, who it's I'm trying to think who published it real quick. Oh, it's another monkey brain. Uh, offering. It's a Ryan K. Lindsay. Yeah, it's uh it's really really good. It's the characters of a small town, um, where the sheriff is the main character, are all self realized. They know their mental constructs of a uh, serial killer, and it's all how they try to they're going to plan to survive, knowing like they have self awareness. So it's like that movie with John Cusack, and I can't remember the name, where the, it's like Identity. Identity. So <clears throat> it's like, what if Identity was a comic series, but the lead character knows that he had a life, and he's a construct now of this psychopath, and how is he going to protect the other constructs from the psychopath torturing them all? It's very highbrow. It's very next level kind of like mental storyline. It's really good.
0: Headspace, check it out. You know, when I saw Identity in theaters, I don't know how old I was, but I don't think I was young, but that scene where the wife gets hit by the car, like destroyed me mentally. I thought that was like one of the most violent scenes i would ever seen in a movie. I thought it was like too over the top.
1: Do you remember that scene? Yeah, I do. Uh, my favorite scene, though, was actually the end. Was that scene because it was a woman <laughs> getting by a car? God.
2: Truth comes out.
1: Dale hates little people. Nobody ever chimes on that anymore. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so that's unfair. We actually did. I think got to fight that was, off we, the dog. We doll came back to here, that Dale? for many episodes. That was a recurring theme for me. Yeah, but you
1: guys always look like I hate the French. I hate Australians. I mean, you hate, you know, there's, you name it, I hate it. Just one little twist, and Slim will have the masses on me.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'm just thinking of Photoshop ideas. Oh, God.